Do you have a dream for your life? Do you have a picture of what you want your future to look like? A vision of what you hope to accomplish? Maybe you've got some goals that you want to accomplish, even yet this year. You have goals for next year, goals for the next five years. What about a picture for the future for your kids? You have a vision of what you want to happen in your kid's life, a, a world that you hope your kids can grow up in? I ask you these questions because in a very real way, God tells you to be cognizant of the answers. He wants you to answer these questions. He wants you to have a vision for your life. I get this from Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where it says, where there is no vision, people perish. In other words, if you don't have a picture for the future of your life, if you're not living intentionally about the future, if you don't have a vision, you're just slowly dying. There's no real point to your life is what the Bible says. You're going to perish. Because I know that's true, not just in your life, but also in my own. And with holidays and Thanksgiving and Christmas and trees and stress and family and everything that happens in this time of year, I feel like it's always important for us to recenter ourselves, to remind us of our vision, not just for our own personal lives, but also the vision of this church. So every fall, I like to take uh, just one Sunday and do a, a single series about vision. Why do we do what we do? Not just in church, but also in our own lives. Here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. People lose their way when they lose their why. People lose their way when they lose their why. It's easy for us to get sidetracked. It's easy for us to forget our vision. It's easy for us to lose our way when we lose our why. Here's what I know. Uh, Most people, they know what they are. You're a salesman. You're a parent. You're a teacher. You're a coach. Uh, You're an athlete. Any of these things. Most people understand what it is they do. And often they understand how they're supposed to act in light of who they are. I need to sell well. I need to make money. I have to... Uh, do X in order to get Y. I need to parent well uh, in order to get these kids out of my house. Amen, somebody, right? Uh, I need to athlete well. I need to student well. I mean, whatever it is, we understand that we need to do something well. We know our what's and our how's, but often we forget our why. Well, why is it important that we do well in these things? Why is it important for us to have a good living and uh, make a good life for ourselves, teach well, sell well, student well, whatever it is? What is your why? What is your vision? When you know your why, your life will make way more sense. When you know your why, you'll understand why you work where you work. Why you're married to who you're married to. Why you're in the place that you are. The problem with most of our lives is we start with our way. We just start going in life and we try and figure out the why along the way. And God says, no, 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 no. You need to start with why. You need to start with why you're here and then you'll figure out your way. It'll make way more sense. Okay, I'm here. I wonder what my purpose is. 
What separates a good life from a great life is understanding your why. When you start there, your way will make way more sense. I'll talk more about this in a second, but the reason most of you are unhappy in your work, in your marriage, at school, whatever it is, is because you misunderstand your why. You need to get your vision back. So I want to help you out. I'm praying that God will help you out. If you brought a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Open it up to Mark chapter 8. Mark is towards the back of your Bible. You can look for some guys' names. There's going to be a Zechariah, a Malachi. should be a Matthew and a Mark. If you hit Luke or John, you've gone too far. Mark, you want the big number 8, little number 22. Talking about vision. How can I restore my vision? How can I understand my why? What's God's purpose for my life? We're going to get there. Let's read this together. Mark eight twenty two. And they, Jesus and his disciples, came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, time out. That's kind of weird, right? When he had spit on his eyes. It's like one of you guys coming up to me after service saying, Pastor, I'm struggling with this. I need you to pray for me. There's something happened to uh, my eyes, macular degeneration, whatever it is. Doctor said there's no cure. Uh, I need you to pray for me. And I say to you, hey, don't worry about I can fix that right here. Ah, Right? Spit in your eyes. That is... Bizarre, to say the least. Blind man thought it was raining. Who knows? I don't know. When he spit on his eyes, he laid his hands on him and he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Now, don't miss that. So this man clearly wasn't born blind. He knew what trees looked like. He lost his vision somewhere along the way. Same thing might be true of you. Why this man's vision was physical, yours might be spiritual. You've lost some vision. Good news is the treatment is the same. Verse 25, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Circle star, underline, highlight. And he sent, Jesus sent this man home saying, do not even enter the village. Four things pop out at me in this passage. In order for us to reclaim the vision, in order for us to start with our why and make sense of our life, you need four things. Number one, relationships. You need relationships. See that this man had people that brought him to Jesus. I'm assuming these were his friends. These people cared about him enough to lead him to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you please heal him? So clearly uh, they cared about him on some level, which for you today means your friends are either leading you towards Jesus or away from him. You've got to get the right relationships in your life. You've got to have people that are leading you towards Jesus, not away from him. They're either encouraging your walk with God or they're discouraging it. In order for you to justify yourself, you're going to push back on me here and say, well, pastor, shouldn't we have some people in our lives that are not Christian? Doesn't God call us to have those types of relationships as well? Yes and amen. 
We absolutely need people in our lives who are not Christian, but that does not need to be the norm. We need to have people that are encouraging us and pushing us because the, the cold hard truth is most of us don't have the courage and the audacity to share our faith with those people. We want to pretend like we're making a difference and we want to try and remain cool. And so we get these people into our lives and instead of inviting them to church or showing them uh, the gospel and love and not approving of their behavior, instead we like to sin under the guise of witnessing. Am I stepping on anybody's toes yet? God says you need to have positive, encouraging relationships Ones where people can challenge you and encourage you. Sorry, I'm not sorry that the vast majority of your relationships in life need to be healthy and good and positive. Yes, be a light in a dark world. But please, if your light is dim, get some bright lights around you. Why do I say that? Because here's what I know. Spiritual decline doesn't happen in an explosion. It happens in an erosion. Most of you aren't just going to get blown up with some big, huge sin. You're going to take small steps here. You're going to take a quid pro quo there. You're going to start this path, this dangerous path that leads you down this dark road. And before you know it, you're going to wake up and be like, how did I get here? And people are going to say, man, he just exploded. And you know that's not true. You know that you made some small decisions along the way that eventually led to you winding up somewhere you never thought you'd be. And if you don't have people in your life that will catch that drift that will challenge you in your faith, saying you're making a dangerous decision. If you don't have those people in your life, then of course you're going to lose vision. You're going to forget your why. You're going to end up on a dark path, and you're going to be stranded on an island thinking, how did I ever get to this point? Bottom line is you've got to have people in your life who are encouraging you, your walk with Jesus, and bringing you closer to him, not further away. You wouldn't send an alcoholic to a bar, right? Whatever you need to struggle with, get that out of your life. Get people in your life that can help you walk this path, not let you drift. Have the courage to tell you this is a dangerous path you're walking. Healthy relationships. You want vision? Healthy relationships. Here's number two, faith and patience. Say, Pastor, that's more than four things. No, this is one thing. Faith and patience. They work together jointly. You need both. Look at back at verse 23. This man's friends begged Jesus to touch him. So Jesus touch him. What's he do? He grabs him by the hand. He leads him out of the village, away from his friends. See, most of us are looking for a touch from God, and God is is wanting to lead us on a journey. Doesn't want just an immediate touch. He needs to take you some places first. He needs to lead you on this journey of faith and patience. Take you by the hand, alongside of you. Get you out of your comfort zone. Why? So you're totally dependent upon him. The only option is if Jesus doesn't do something for me, I can't do this on my own. It's a journey of faith and patience. Do you have enough faith to follow him 
even when it's slower than you thought it would be. It's not me. I'm an impatient person. Can't even stand going to the grocery store. First of all, I picked the wrong line every single time. Unbelievable. It's like these people pull up, you don't see very much in their cart, but there's some sort of master builder Tetris champion. So when they start pulling stuff out, it's like, how in the world did you get it all in there? You just change lines, right? Then grandma's writing a check. Who did people, is it currency anymore? Can you still write a check? I don't know. I haven't wrote a check since like 99 or something. It's unbelievable. I start marking the people in the other lines thinking that would have been me. And if, if I would have chose that line and if they get through the line faster than me, so help me God, my day is ruined, right? I mean, I just can't, can't deal with it. I'm impatient. I need patience. Well, God's going to take you on this journey, faith and patience. See, most of us in our Christian lives, we want these empty checkout lines. And more often than not, God gives you Black Friday at Walmart, right? I mean, it's crazy. There's people everywhere. You can't move around. There's weird people. You're like, what? Are you serious? Uh, this is the journey. This is the journey that God leads you on outside of your comfort zone. God wants you to realize that sometimes the uncomfort of it all is a lesson in faith and patience. If you're too comfortable in life, you're probably living a dangerous life. You're certainly not living one where God is ruling the world because he wants you a little bit uncomfortable. We see that over and over in scripture. He says, you got to take up your cross and follow me, but don't lose faith. Don't lose patience. God will do what he said he would do. He promised you a life to the full, John 10, 10. If you realize that, you'll be okay with this journey in faith and patience. Your vision will come back. Here's number three, authenticity. Authenticity. We see this man, he was not unauthentic. When Jesus asked him, can you see? How many of you would be tempted to say, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've heard all these stories about Jesus. He's healed everyone he's touched. In fact, this is the only story we see in Scripture where Jesus didn't heal someone completely the first time. And Jesus says to you, can you see? And you open your eyes and no, you can't see. Do you think he was not tempted to say, well, yeah, Jesus, I've heard the stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, bro. Thanks. You got it. That was not this man's response. He wasn't pretentious. He was authentic. He said, no, Jesus, I'm seeing trees walking around. I mean, thanks for the help, but this ain't, this, you're not done. I can't see what I want to see. If he wasn't authentic, he would not have been healed. In your own life, what are your blind spots? Where are you struggling? Are you being authentic? Because we all have them. We're not perfect. None of us are. So are you willing to admit where you fall short? You can't fix the problem until you understand what the problem is. If you're not being authentic, then you're never going to get better. Your vision's never going to increase. Furthermore, if you're inauthentic with other people, going back to our relationship conversation, you're never going to be able to help them. If the only thing that you do is condemn behavior, then nobody's going to listen to you. 
You got to understand that it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. God wants to lead you on this journey to help you, encourage you, give you your vision back. But in order for you to go on that journey, you have to be authentic about where you're at. This isn't a perfect place. None of us in here are perfect. If you are, please leave because you're going to screw up everything else for everybody, okay? Please admit where you're falling short. Work on that with authentic, being authentic in your life, with getting faith and patience, with getting good relationships around you. Being fake is exhausting. Some of you know you just need a reason to quit being fake, and I'm giving it to you right now. Be authentic in your walk and in your life. Here's the last thing, obedience. Jesus says, don't enter the village. Healed you. Don't go back. You have to be obedient. He's saying, we need to work on you a little bit. So Jesus is telling the man. In a very real way, he's saying that to you this morning. Hey, we need to work on you for a little bit. We need to get this sin out of your life. I've rescued you from sin. Taking that, you're forgiven. But now we need to work on you. Are you being obedient? God's vision for your life is crystal clear. You might have to give up what you thought was normal. He says, don't go back to what is normal. Go on this journey with me. Are you being obedient to that call on your life? Again, he says, take up your cross and follow me daily. That's what the scripture says. God is Lord of your life. Jesus is the King of Kings. He's not some good teacher. He's not some prophet. He's not just some guy who had some really good sayings that we should follow. He is the Lord of the universe, creator of heaven and earth. He spoke, and everything we see became into existence. Are you being obedient? to that God, not some teacher, not some evangelist, the Lord of the universe. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, not sure about this whole Christianity thing, that's okay. I'm glad you're here. You can do everything I just said and not follow Christ whatsoever. You can have great relationships. You can have patience. You can be authentic about where you're at. You can be obedient to your spouse, your job, your teachers, or whatever it is. And you don't have to follow Christ whatsoever. You can have a great life. You can go drill wells in Africa. You can be some sort of humanist, whatever you want to do, and have a fine life. Now, I would contend that you won't have life to the fullest because you're not following God. And he said that that's what he wanted you to do, but you can figure that out for yourself. But if you are here and you are a Christian, God has some pretty clear implications for your life and the vision that he has for your life. We find it in Matthew 28, where Jesus lays out the great co-mission with God on mission. That's what co-mission means. We're participating with him in this greatest story ever told. The story where we've rejected God, where we have sinned, where we brought that into our lives. The moment we were born, we were born sinners. And yet God came down to this earth in human form in order for us to be forgiven by living a perfect life so we wouldn't have to. 
dying on a cross to forgive us of our sins, and then raising from the dead, thereby conquering sin and death. Greatest news in the history of the world. Greatest story ever being told. That God wants to be in a relationship with you. And he wants to forgive you of your sins so that you can live forever in heaven. And it's not some place where you're playing a harp with angels' wings and weird stuff like that. It's the earth without sin. You get to do fun things. Anything that's not inherently sinful. This is what heaven is going to look like. Forget the nonsense you've heard otherwise. God says, I want you there with me. Loved you enough. Cared for you enough. To die for you. Forgive you of your sin. Just wish that you would follow me. So the reason I started this morning by saying if you feel like you've lost vision, if you feel like you're not living it out because of life circumstances or job or any of that, you probably misunderstand your job or you probably misunderstand the circumstances because God gave you that job not so you could make gobs and gobs of money and buy all kinds of stuff for you. And he gave you your spouse and he gave you the place that you're going to school and all of those things not to make you a better person. He did that so you could be on mission with him, change somebody else's life. Vision for your life is not about you. Vision for your life is about changing the lives around you for God's glory because he cared enough to die for you. He wants you to be on this mission with him. People lose their way when they lose their why and your why as a follower of Christ it's to change the lives and the world around you. That's your why. Your why is to be a blessing to others. Come on, somebody, don't leave me up here by myself. Change people's lives. That's your why. That's why we only do four things at this church. We're going to bring people into a saving relationship with Jesus. We're going to build them up in that faith. We're going to equip them for ministry. And then we're going to send them out on a mission to do the same thing in the neighborhoods and schools and workplaces God has placed them. Because God wants to change people's lives. This is leadership. We believe our vision is to be a church that unchurched people will love to attend. We want people to come in here who have never heard the good news of Jesus and leave changed. Because we believe there's a lot of lost people in this world. And found people find people. And we're going to participate on this mission that God has laid out for us in Matthew 28. Now the question is, is how are we doing with that? If that's the vision of this church, how are you doing? Well, I want to share some numbers with you. But before we do, sometimes people freak out about numbers. But the bottom line is these numbers are a story right? I mean, we get all these stories in the Bible that share numbers. Jesus fed 5,000 people. Gideon, you know, slayed however many thousands with 300 men. Walls of Jericho fell down seven days. Joshua marched. So we get these numbers, but the numbers wouldn't mean anything if there wasn't a story behind it, right? The story, what, what makes the story is those crazy numbers. Jesus fighting, feeding 5,000 men, nevertheless, women, children with two loaves, five fish. It's a crazy story. The numbers make the story. So what are the numbers at New Anthem? What is God doing through New Anthem? Well, 53 salvations since we started. Yeah, amen. Absolutely. 
Our average attendance has increased from 110 to 192 in three years. Our small groups have gone up. Numbers have gone up within the small groups. We just did our 2017 budget. You guys need to know that we only budget 90% of the previous year's income. We just think that sets us up for margin. We only, uh, then we give away 10% of whatever you guys give, we give that away. We think if if God's asked you to give 10%, then we as a church might as well give 10%. So we give 10% away to missions. We've given away to food banks, uh, the school here. We've given away uh, to, to end abortion. We've given away to end human trafficking. We think these are the two of the biggest disgraces on the planet right now. So we want to help people end those things. So we've given money to all of those things. We've given away over $60,000 to church planting. To art. Yeah. By far a testament to your generosity and your faith. But I want you to understand what's happened with that over $60,000 that we've been able to give away to church planting. 243 new churches just since we launched January 12, 2014. 243 churches. 58,709 people attended on one of those launch Sundays in those 243 churches. That's an average of 241 uh, on launch Sunday. The, the average church size in America is 75. And ARC, through ARC, the average is 241. Of that 58,709, 2,642 people have given their life to Christ on one day. Those are the numbers. How cool are the stories? Because of your faithfulness, we're able to do those things. Because God's called us to this mission. We're laser focused on it. Just like Jesus was laser focused on his mission. Go back and read the parables in Luke of lost uh, coin, lost sheep, and the prodigal son. You'll notice that Pharisees come up and ask Jesus about God. And he tells those stories. If you're a Pharisee, you'd be like, Jesus, you never even quoted the Old Testament in there. You just started telling us a story. Yes, because stories change people's lives. What story are you being a part of is my question. You're being part of God's story or are you living your own story? I would contend this story ends way better for you and for the people around you. So I think my job as your pastor is not to preach good sermons or help you grow in order your ability to read the Bible, although all that is part of it. Definitely part of my responsibility. But my biggest responsibility is to equip you for ministry. You're the ministers. I'm an equipper. I'll show you this in scripture just in case you don't believe me. Ephesians 4:11. Watch this. And he, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Trinity, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, that's me, teachers, shepherd of this church, to the church. Why did he do that? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. My job is to awaken possibility in you. Say, this is what you can do. This is what you can be a part of. I want to give you opportunities to find your vision, to find what God has given you, to find what you're passionate about. Not so we can somehow get something from you, but so that you can make a ministry out of it. 
and give that away and encourage the people that are in your life right now. Let me say it like this. If we're going to go anywhere as a church, it's going to take you participating in that. This church is not about me. It's about you, what God has gifted you to do. You've got to be on board with that. It's about this church. It's about Jesus, the call that he has placed on your life and how you can be part of this mission with him. So let me tell you exactly where we're going to go in the future. Again, just four things quickly. Number one, content. We want to give you content. We think Sunday morning needs to be about great content. So we're going to try and do our best to make sure we're speaking to uh, issues that you're facing in life. This is why I'll play a video. If somebody has more better content than what I've got, I want you to be exposed to that. This is why we record our sermons. We put them online because we want them to, we want you to have access to content. We're trying to develop an app so you can get that on your phone. We've already got like a a verse of the day on our website. So if you struggle with reading the Bible, all you got to do is log in for the verse of the day. There's great apps even for that. The Bible app is incredible. We've got a service called Right Now Media. It's essentially Netflix, but for uh, Bible teachings, sermons, small group studies, all of those things. All you got to do is log in. It's free for you because uh, we want you to have great content. So we've purchased the subscription for you. You just got to send us an email. We'll get you a login and you can have access immediately to great content. We want you to have great content. We want you to be surrounded with great Bible teaching. So we'll do whatever we need to do in order for you to have amazing content. Here's the second thing. We want you to have great community. Great community. This is why we've developed small groups the way that we've developed them, because we want you to be in a community of believers. Our goal within our small groups is 110%. And you say, you can't have 110%, Pastor. That's some weird coaching statistic that they always talk about. No, we want people outside of New Anthem in New Anthem small groups, because we want them to have access to amazing community as well. So we track this. We measure what our Uh, small group attendance is. It's actually less than 50% right now. So if you want to grow, get in a small group. Because again, our goal is 110%. Got to have access to community. Preached a whole sermon around the idea of life happens in circles, not rows. Your life can only change so much for an hour on Sunday. The horrible part about being a pastor is if you guys would just do everything that, that we talk about on Sunday, your life would be amazing. You'd have no problem. But the moment you walk out these doors, most of you forget it, myself included, okay? I'm not alone on this. That's why you need great community, to have people help encourage you. Why? Because vision leaks. Plan that you have for your life. You get distracted. It happens. We live in the most entertained generation in the history of the world. You're surrounded by tons of things that you get you distracted. Your community can recenter your focus each week, and we need it, all need it, each and every week. Here's the third thing. We want great coaching. We want you to have fantastic coaching. This is why we have Next uh, Sunday mornings. If you've ever wanted to figure out what New Anthem's all about, what you need to believe in as a Christian, how God's wired you, that's Next. It's all about coaching. We want to offer you different trainings. That's why we've had financial planning trainings, 
Um, we've had different uh, leadership trainings. There's a, some information in your welcome guide right now just about planning your estate and things like wills and all of that. Parenting trainings, we've, we've done all of that because we want you to have great coaching. We want you to have people in your life that can help you with whatever you're struggling with because we want you to succeed. We know that it takes, you know, some people that are a little bit more mature than you to help you succeed. So we want you to have great coaching. Here's the last one. We want you to be a contributor. Contribution. If you're not a contributor, then you're a consumer. And I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God has simply asked you to take. In fact, the story that we read, the parable of the talents where the man took his one talent, God gave five, gave two, gave one. The one man just took his. It ended badly for that guy. So we don't want you taking. We want you contributing. The same thing with the story in Matthew 28, 18. God's asked you to contribute in this life. Well, how can you contribute? You can contribute your time. You can serve on a team. You can use whatever God has gifted you by serving You can be in a small group, again, contribute your time because this is how you're going to grow. Contribute your talents. Are you good at something? Let's make a ministry out of it. Let's use that for God's glory. Contribute your time, your talents, and finally your treasure. God says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want your heart to be with God, then you need to put your treasure with God. You need to start investing in the things God is investing in. Again, I'm not after your money. If you feel like this church is only after your, about your money, then go tithe somewhere else. Fine. But God says you need to contribute your finances. We're not after your money. I promise you that. You can also serve by going on this missions team. You can talk about time, talent, and treasure, all wrapped up into the Haiti trip. Information's there in your welcome guide. Sign up. Go contribute your time to help orphans and people who are hurting in Haiti where hundreds of people just died because of the earthquake and flooding and all of those things. They need your help. Go, serve. You feel like God's calling you to something like that. Bottom line is, if you don't use your gift, then somebody else has to pick up the slack. God has gifted you the purpose just asks you to use it. Something didn't get done that should have got done the way you were gifted to get it done. God says, please participate in this. He promises us you'll reap what you sow. You want to sow, you want to reap good things in your life? Then you need to start sowing good things out of your life. Give it away. In turn, God says, he's going to bless you. When you do these things, when you have great content, when you have great communities, when you have great coaching, when you're being a contributor, not a consumer, imagine what the world could look like. You know, we got this big election coming up here on Tuesday. I'd strongly encourage you all to go vote. But the vast majority of things that I hear around all of that, it's all negative. Well, you want to make a difference? Then start serving God and his purposes on this earth. Change the world around you. See, my vision for this church when we started New Anthem Community Church, it wasn't just about Park City. I knew that if we could change Park City, then we could change the community around Park City. 
And if we could change Sedgwick County, then we could change the counties around it. And eventually we could change the state. And if you can change a state, then you can change a nation. If you can change a nation, the United States of America, the greatest nation on earth, then you can change the world. God can do that with just the people in this room. All you college students who are going to go back to your states and whatever after you've done college. Imagine the difference you could make. All the people here that work in these communities around. Imagine the difference you could make if you surrendered your life to God and used the purpose and gifts that he's given you. And you recentered your vision and your focus onto I'm going to make a difference. This isn't about me. Imagine the world you could leave for your children and the legacy that you could leave for your families. It'd be amazing. It could be a move of God that happened in a gymnasium because you were faithful. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to come and gather here today. We thank you for the freedom that we have to even meet and worship you and praise you. We thank you for the men and women who have fought for that freedom and given us the right to meet here and assemble for your name and your glory. God, it's a crazy time that we're living in right now. Many wicked, evil things are happening in the U.S. and the world around us and praying right now that you change the world, change the hearts in this room so that they can go out and make a difference. And in turn, God, we're praying that you change the world. There's something that happened here. We're praying for a mighty move on your behalf. God, we can't do this on our own. We need your help. Praying right now for anybody here that's lost their vision. God, restore it. Help them understand that they've got to get great relationships in their life. They've got to have faith and patience. Got to have people that are going to encourage them, help them. They've got to be obedient to your call in their life. Get out of their comfort zone. God, give everyone here, the moment they walk out these doors, a clear vision. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you want to be part of this great story that God is telling, the Bible says if you just confess and believe, you'll be saved. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now, to confess in your heart that He is Lord. So if that's you this morning, I invite you just to follow me in this prayer. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I've fallen short. I haven't done what you've wanted me to do. But I believe that Jesus came to this earth, that he died for me. And because of that, I'm made new. Thank you for raising Jesus from the dead. Thank you for rescuing me from sin. Help me to live for you. God, I thank you for those lives. I thank you for all the lives represented here this morning. 
We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.